We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Recording this, uh, coming at you on a Monday, recording this on Father's Day morning um, with my co-host. He, in many ways, is is like a son to me. Um, <laughs> the, age, <laughs> the age difference is quite there, although, you know, if I had gotten started early. Um, Jeremy Cohen, how are you, son, sir? I'm great, Dad. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for having me on our podcast. I love that um, we can have this father son bonding time. Um, and happy Father's Day! I love the new addition that is uh, on, hanging on your door. So my my I, I'm really hard to shop for because I don't want anything because I have everything I want. Because um, it's the ultimate dad thing to do. Dads don't need anything. We, I mean, listen. I get to have a podcast about the Knicks. That's like enough for an eternity's worth of Father's Days. Um, so she, uh, my wife, got uh, not only the the. So for anybody who's just listening to this, there's the giant fat head of the Slam magazine cover with R.J. Barrett and Julius Randall on it, and she also actually got me the the real magazine. The the you know um, apparently there was a limited edition. She was like they sold out in no time. I, I didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was pretty cool. So yeah, proudly displaying that. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to excited to be doing this on on Father's Day. I don't really have a Knicks tie-in Father's Day story other than um, to say Happy Father's Day to all the other dads out there who root for the Knicks and make sure you raise your sons and daughters to root for the correct team. Um, there's only one correct team in New York to root for. Maybe that's a good transition. Um, we should spend a minute, right? A minute? Two minutes? Five? The whole <laughs> podcast? We could we could take so, however long we want. So here, so we're the the main uh, thrust of today's podcast is we're going to be as as uh, we uh, started with last uh, Sunday or last Monday, I should say, um, with some general cap stuff. Now starts the process where we are going to be going through some very specific scenarios um, in terms of bringing in particular players and some complimentary players and how that looks with the cap. But before we get there, um, late last night, or perhaps when did the game, did the game end after midnight? I don't even remember. Um, 
the um, the other team in, in New York uh, lost the playoff game, and it was a game seven um, against the Milwaukee Bucks, um, which means that they're going home. They're, they're I don't know where home is for all those folks, but they're not Cancun. <laughs> home <laughs> is Cancun now. <laughs> One, two, three, Cancun. And here's how I'm going to open this. Jeremy, I don't know if you're going to like this. I don't know if any of the listeners are going to like this, but I'm going to open this with a, a compliment to the Brooklyn Nets. You ready for this? I'm ready. As much as for like, you know, we, we've all done our different reconciling and, and things uh, ever since, what was it? June 30th, 2019. Um, as I've said on this podcast many times, I'm, I'm happy it went the way it did because I like the way things are going here. Um, but, you know, there were some initial maybe hurt feelings on the, on the part of like, you know, being the bridesmaid and not the bride. Um, but I never really cared about the Nets at all. Um, I didn't really care to root against the Nets last season. Um, I rooted against them this season when they were playing us. Um, but thinking back, like, I don't think I rooted harder against the Nets in those games than I did against, you know, the Heat or the, who, honestly, whoever the Knicks are playing, because I was more caring about who, you know, about the Knicks winning games. And here's my compliment to the Nets. I was sitting there last night. I was rooting like hell for the Bucks. I was really like first half. I was like, I was feeling. And then after halftime, when they were still in it, I'm like, man, I really want this fucking Nets team to lose and go home. And everybody on the team and all of the 87 people who root for them to be miserable. Um, so that is my compliment. To, if anybody out there is, and why would you listen to this podcast if you're a Nets fan? But if you're a Nets fan, my compliment to you is your team made me care enough to root against you pretty vociferously for the first time. So that's all I want to say. And I'll turn it over to you, Jeremy. I'll preface this with uh, Kevin Durant is unbelievable. That top 10 player ever, I, maybe incredible. Yeah. Um, I was basically <laughs> conversing with some people. Uh, one of the, one of whom was actually uh, Schwinn. And I said, you know, Shout like, I was like, Kevin Durant, this was like with three or four minutes left in the game. It was like, Kevin Durant's going to hit a game winning three and it's going to be over. Nice. And I'm, I'm going to log off of Twitter. And, and he was, if, if only he had slightly smaller, smaller feet, if, if he were like a size 16 and a half or I think he joked about it after the game. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. He said something about like my big ass feet or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, that would have, that would have done it. But um, if we're going to talk yeah. about what Kevin Durant's own words were in terms of, you know, like he basically said, you know, injuries are a part of the game. We're not feeling sorry for ourselves. And it was always kind of set up with this play where it's like, oh, either, we're so injured and we lose and it's because of the injuries or, you know, we're, we overcame so many obstacles to win. And I'm, I'm glad we don't have to hear that one. Um, again, I, I would love a world in which no injuries exist, period. The NBA would be so much more fun when the best players on earth are playing. But I don't feel sympathy whatsoever for this Nets team, because when you look at it, it's all right. Well, you know, yes, you dealt with injuries 100 percent, right? Kyrie, that that really sucked. Harden being out for periods of time and, and playing injured, brutal. Spencer Dinwiddie even getting hurt, that's rough too. But yeah. you made a choice. You chose to go for a third star and deplete your depth, which ironically would have also been more depleted because Karis LeVert basically had that giant scare with his kidney. Yeah. Um, but you decide, this is the path you chose. You chose to go this route. You could have used your non-tax uh, mid-level exception. You didn't. You could have used the uh, DPE that you got for Spencer Dinwiddie's injury. You didn't. You could have traded Spencer Dinwiddie for some sort of depth. You didn't. 
Um, you didn't have to sign DeAndre Jordan to a $10 million contract so his buddies could join the Brooklyn Nets, but you did because you felt like you had to. And that sucks. So, you know, it's this whole thing of like, I see the team like the Clippers that loses its best player and then goes ahead and wins four straight games. That is so phenomenal. And it's this thing where with the Nets, they had an opportunity to win with Kevin Durant as the best player on his team, maybe even on earth. And the fact that they had, you know, it's a Jeff green miracle game <laughs> in order to force a game six where with, with some help to, from of course, uh, the folks, with Mr. In, Durant. Well, yeah. well, no, I was going to yeah. say some of the folks on Milwaukee's sideline. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> and again, like I, I haven't seen a more atrociously called game. I think oh. than last night, uh, just, uh, I didn't really want to see, uh, Bucks Nets refs. I wanted to see Bucks Nets, and it just, um, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm very content this morning. It's great. And again, you know, here's the irony, right? The irony is that we are talking about the demise of a team that was supposed to have championship aspirations, and we're gonna basically then go into a conversation of who the Knicks could sign, right? So it's not lost to me that we're talking about how yeah. like this is a real life situation the Nets are going with and we're still playing make-believe. I, I totally get it. But I also think we can laugh at the expense. The Germans created a great word for it and schadenfreude, so I'm going to use it. Uh, thank you, you say German. it very well. That's a, it, it rolls off your tongue. Nicely. I guarantee you that our German listeners are you're going to say I don't, but that's okay. I, it's I, sounding good to me. I, I mean, nothing. Well, I thank you. Uh, so... But yeah, you know, it's uh, it's a beautiful day. It's Father's Day. It's started the next season for for some teams, and um, it's all right. And you know, just in terms of fortuitousness, um, would Kyrie Irving already have a championship if uh, Draymond Green did, decided not to smack LeBron James in the uh, testicles? Um, would um, Kevin Durant have one of his championships if Chris Paul did not get injured himself um, when he was with the uh, Houston Rockets? So for for anybody who's like, oh, you know, the Nets had this uh, championship robbed of them um, and for all of the myriad reasons that you just went through, um, that is not the case. This is the NBA. Things happen. Um, we we uh, got to root for a former MVP uh, this year whose career went <laughs> sideways and about the, the most I mean I don't even know what to call Derek Rose's career anymore but like you get the point um we don't need to talk about the Nets but I do it's it, it's in so it's an interesting transition um so I guess we'll just say who we're going to talk about today right we're going to talk about Lonzo Ball um I I can't believe I have to ask you this I don't think I know for a f- I know what you, we your views on trading for Lonzo Ball from a value perspective. I think I know your views on signing Lonzo Ball from a value perspective. What are your views on Lonzo Ball's just as a basketball player? I think he's fine. You know, like he to me is that's a, a ringing endorsement. I know it's not like that's the thing. I'm I'm not over the moon about him. I think that the whole thing with Lonzo is that he's more of a connector than he is a lead guard, and I think people see him for what they want to see him as a point guard. And that's just not who he is. And to me, it's like, well, if that's going to limit what his capabilities are, why are you shelling out big money? And it's, oh, well, he's younger and you can buy in and you have tips. And I get all of that. I understand. But I think there's also a limit to maybe what a lot of these players can do. And so if he's, if his DNA is going to change, he suddenly becomes this, this driving point guard who gets to the rim consistently, then great. I just, I don't see that happening. I mean, I, 
was one of Frank Nielakina's biggest supporters for four years. Still am. Still Don't am. Let me out of that. We, listen, we've right. both sung. Of course. We, I'll say we, Dad. Many, a, many a... <laughs> Right. So, so the whole thing Thank is, you, <laughs> if we basically say like, oh, well, yeah, Frank, if he just changes into this player, but that's not who he is. No. By now we know what Frank is, and it's more of an off-ball wing who can come in and, and play defense, hopefully more than, you know, 20 seconds at a time at the end of the half. So with Lonzo, it's like, yeah, a lot of his shots are going to be uh, spot-ups or catch and shoot, and that's great for him, but I'm not paying a guy to, to you know, $20 million or however much it's going to take to pry him from New Orleans to, to get that guy. I, I would much rather look at other options at my disposal. Now, I, I do understand, though, if you just want to go for a value add, if you want to get the best talent that you can, um, similar to what the Hawks actually did last offseason, I'd understand it. I just I don't see why you have to go that route because you don't have to address, you know, that spot with him. You can find cheaper options that are going to get the job done, you know, just as well, if not better, without having to shell out for the name brand that is Lonzo Ball. Okay. Um that was what I thought you were going to say that you, I, hmm. I don't know if I, it's funny because I agree with everything you said about him and the player. I've said many of those same things uh, uh, myself. And yet he, there is a, <clears throat> there is a baseline of competence with him across several areas. None of which cross into this sort of player that it sure seems like the Knicks lead need, which is a guy who, you know, I don't know however you want to phrase it, um, can just create offense. Lonzo Ball doesn't create offense. He creates offense in transition, creates a lot of offense in transition. Yeah. Um, and and guess what tends to go away in the, the playoffs is, is transition. Um, so we just watched this Nets team who went all in on these shot creators. And that, not to say that they didn't have some um, – good supporting pieces themselves, your Jeff Greens and your and your Blake Griffins and um your Bruce Browns of the world. Like Lonzo Ball is like one of those sorts of players, except I think there is more upside. He does all like Bruce Brown can't hit a three. Um, you know, Blake Griffin is there's some positional quirks there in terms of what he he's essentially a five now. Like Lonzo Ball can, you know, the best thing you could say about him is you could probably put him on just about any team in the league. He will probably play 25, 30 minutes for said team. I Right? Is there a team that he wouldn't play 25, 30? I mean, could have played 30 minutes last night for the Nets, right? Yeah. No, he's a rotational player, without a doubt. Yeah. And, and I think a high, a high level rotation. Yeah. Player. And he'll, he'll help you do a lot of things. So I, you know, in a, I don't know. I almost feel like your, your view on Lonzo Ball is, is a litmus test for how butthurt you've been as a Nick fan uh, for a long time. Cause it's like, we know this can't go too bad, right? We know if we get Lonzo, he's like, we'll always be able to flip. I mean, assuming they don't sign him to like $30 million a year. We're, we'll, we'll talk about the numbers in a second, but like, it's always going to be a decent, like, are you paying $20 million for $16 million of production? 14 13.5, you know, whatever you could quibble, but like someone's always going to want Lonzo ball, presuming he doesn't completely fall off a cliff. That's, that's kind of where I'm coming from. And which is where I think I might differentiate with you on, on whether or not it's the right move. That's all. Yeah. Again, it's just like, if you're going to bring in Lonzo, that's great. But then who is your primary half court player going to be? Hmm. And that's the challenge. 
you know, you need to make the upgrade. I still don't personally see Derek Rose as being that guy. I think his role is much better suited as off the bench, you know, incredible six man type player That's, uh, and yes. have someone else who can fill that gap above him. And maybe Rose is closing games. Whereas you have someone who just is better than Alfred Payton. I mean, there's a difference between being better than Alfred Payton and being good, but ideally finding someone who, <laughs> who is both of those things. How long uh, is great. I, if you see my hands, it's larger than the screen anyway. But I think there's also one thing that is interesting as well about Lonzo. And uh, this is something I'm actually going to bring up uh, before we fully dive into it as well, because it's a fun little segue and I, I, I put the time it. into it. So why not? But uh, there were some interesting topics this past week. It was a pretty busy week, John. I don't know if you noticed. With the I, I did notice a few of the topics. Yes. Yes. So uh, one of them obviously involved Zion Williamson. And, oh, that guy. Yeah, that guy. Um, there's not happy with crawfish. No. Or your, I guess what's, not. what's your New Orleans dish of choice? Is uh, the etouffee, a, a beignet? A, I don't know. Peel any shrimp? Uh, peel any sh- or uh, No, what's the. Po' boys. Um, po' boys. Um, the charcoal oysters. Oh, you, yeah. You get, get some like, che- what is it? Gruyere cheese maybe they put on. I don't know. Whatever the cheese is. And like, that's that's really good. Those yeah. are good. Anyway. Um, well, one of the interesting lines in this conversation with Zion for the article with The Athletic was that he really wants Lonzo Ball to return. He does. And so my thinking is, well, how does that impact how the Pelicans deal with Lonzo Ball? Because I'm sure there's a price point for them where they're like, we're not interested. But if you're David Griffin, you know, your your star is saying, I want Lonzo Ball to return. He's also saying, I understand that it's a business and all that. But Ingram too. Uh, yeah, Ingram as well. So you have two of your best players are advocating for Alonzo Ball to return. And you're already feeling the pressure. You've thrown another coach under the bus. You are now in the hot seat yourself. Um, Who threw the coach under the bus? David Griffin? Yeah, yeah. I know, and and Stan Van Gundy's not easy to throw. He's, he's not a small man. That's true, yeah. Um, especially when he's on that bike. So, you know, it's the sort of thing with, with Zion where I think Alonzo could be impacted that way. But, I, you know, I figured we can't not talk about Zion. You had a great newsletter on it. it was, but it's the elephant in the room. Do you think I'm uh, right, by the way? I got a lot of pushback on that privately from our from people that we all, you know, talk and text specifically what Um, I think because so for anybody who doesn't get the newsletter, I basically argued that at some point and we touched on this before a star um, on his rookie contract is going to walk into his general manager's or his owner's office and (laughs) say, I don't want to be here anymore. I'd like to leave now. You're going to trade me. And that person is going to get their wish. And I I wrote that there does need to be a couple caveats. I think it needs to be a star with almost otherworldly, well, star power and gravitas and national appeal. And you're, I mean, when's the last time a a young star has had this level of that? I mean, young LeBron, right? Basically. Yeah. Um, And you need to get a clusterfuck of an organization that I think people around the league, inside of the league, fans around the NBA will look at and be like, yeah, I don't blame him for wanting to get the hell out of there. That organization sucks and their ownership sucks and they generally suck. Um, And I think it's kind of a perfect storm. Um, But more it's like, like, what are you going to do? If he goes public and he's like, yeah, I don't want, you know, I mean, it's worded in a certain way or it's leaked in a certain way, but like, I don't know. I think they're, why would that person not get their wish? Yeah, I hear you. Well, you know, without further ado, why don't we, uh, let's get into this bad boy. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. So uh, as Jeremy's uh, pulling this up on uh, for our YouTube uh, viewers, if you are just listening in the the podcast uh, land of podcast, which this is first and foremost, the podcast, um, we will talk you through um, Jeremy's. Uh, is it a PowerPoint or is it just a spreadsheet? Oh, it's PowerPoint, baby. Oh, my goodness. We're in PowerPoint we season. That's, We're power- that was the PowerPoint decree from season. Andrew. So here we are. PowerPoint season with it's not spelled S-E. It's S-Z-N. That's what it is. PowerPoint yeah. season. Um. We good? You see my screen, John? It, so we are looking now. I, I This is so great. I am going to talk this through. Um, Jeremy has a slide up and it just says the word Zion on it with pictures, not of a human person, but of um, Mount Zion, I believe. Zion National Park and Mount Zion. Zion National Park and Mount Zion. OK. And Cy. Uh This is really glorious, by the way. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. So, uh, yeah, let's. Uh, Let's talk about Zion Williamson's contract situation. So he's under contract for two more years. Uh, the first year is a team option that was picked up. Second year is a team option that will be picked up. Uh, and then this is what, John, you talked about as well in your article, uh, or your newsletter, excuse me, is that for the, the fifth season, it is a qualifying offer and it's yes. worth 17.6 or so million dollars. Yes. So if Zion were to take that qualifying offer, um, he would become an unrestricted free agent. If he didn't, then he would be a restricted free agent and would then sign. So uh, that's the gist of it. And something but, I didn't mention, but I, 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 we don't need to talk about this really, but like if you are a restricted free agent, we've talked about this with other players, you can go get an offer sheet from another team, um, but it has to be a minimum of, and this we've talked about many times, uh, two guaranteed years mm-hmm. um, at 
whatever the max amount of um, money is, which would be right. a lot of money. So why would Zion even accept the qualifying offer, right? I mean, you know, you lose out on a ton of long-term security here. Uh, he has injury concerns. He's, he's only played in 85 of 144 games. That's like, I think, 59% or so last time I checked. So walking away from that security is pretty rough. Uh, he stands to lose a lot of money. If he makes the all-NBA team the next two years or the year before, he's eligible to sign his next contract or, I guess, you know, become a restricted free agent, uh, he could get 30% of the max, like Luka Doncic is about to get, and that'll be over $200 million. Of course, if he doesn't get that, it's kind of like your standard max of 25%. So um, Still also, a lot of money. Definitely One, a lot of money, yeah. yes. Um, and you get 8% raises too, which is pretty sweet. So mm-hmm. that's a lot. Um, and the other thing is no star has ever done this. No star has ever accepted their qualifying offer unless you are a relative of Greg Monroe. I was about to say, how, you say? how dare um, you besmirch Greg Monroe's <laughs> name on this podcast? Yes. Once the apple of Phil Jackson's eye, Greg Monroe. You got a big ass. Anyways. Um, <laughs> I love that, that Phil gave us so many great uh things to go off of. So yeah, there's a lot to lose financially by taking the qualifying offer, big risk. So seems like, why would he do it? Well, why wouldn't he do it? Well, here's the thing. Money isn't an issue for Lonzo, for Lonzo Ball, for Zion Williamson. Uh, Money's an issue for Lonzo Ball. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, so if he took the qualifying offer, Zion would stand to make almost $62 million over five years. Yeah. What's interesting is that his Nike contract is only five years long, which means that it would expire after the qualifying offer would expire, which is huge. And also he's all these other endorsements as well. It's Gatorade, Mountain Dew, 2K Sports, Panini, Fanatics. It's, it's a ton. But what's so important about that is these shoe companies and all these other organizations will pay more money to players who go to bigger markets. You know, yeah. I'm not even saying it's the Knicks, right? I mean, that seems like the logical observation for us as Knicks fans and how RJ's there and blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> but the point is he could negotiate a higher amount. And so you could actually kind of like bridge the gap in the loss of revenue that you'd have in that season. Uh, because if he, you know, he'd probably stand to lose about 13 to $15 million, something in that ballpark, if yeah. he took the qualifying offer and didn't take the max. Um, so, you know, I mean, like if he's going from a 575 to, I don't know, like what, seven. 200 or something, seven, three, like some crazy number that they'd put out there because you design a Zion Williamson Nick shoe and all of us are going to buy five pairs of it. And <laughs> they're going to go. Crazy I, have a, I have a fat head sitting. I'm a grown man with a fat head on my wall behind me. I mean, yeah. who amongst us? Right. Exactly. Um, the other thing is about unhappiness. You know, I mean, the family around Zion doesn't feel like Zion is being prioritized. And Family's can, a big deal. You can Father's be damn day. sure tell you. Yeah. that a lot of these players communicate through their families. That's yeah. what their thoughts are. It's They don't want to hurt their own brands. If if the dad says something, it's a totally different story. If the mom says something, you know, it's whatever. It's when the player says something that it gets aggregated or misconstrued or whatever it is. I mean, and granted, you know, I mean, we've seen LeVar Ball talk nonsense and his sons are like, yeah, that's dad. No, that's not what we're saying at all. But they're also strategic about it. They can yes. use it how they want. And it's a smart leverage place. So um, that's something interesting. And, and then, you know, the idea of getting your own control, it's a most, it's a huge power move to be able to say, I am one of the biggest stars in the NBA. And at the tender age of what, 24, 
I think. I think he'll be 24. Uh, yeah, he's RJ's age. So if yeah. He takes, yeah, if he takes the qualifying offer and, and becomes an unrestricted free agent, then he has the power to dictate wherever he goes. I mean, that would be so huge in terms of player empowerment that it would set this tone that a lot of other players can't, they don't have the, the security to take. But again, Zion does. He ha- he'll have over $130 million by the time he's 25 years old. And that's just based on this contract and the Nike contract. So, and, yeah, it's, it, you know, no, please go ahead. But it's just like, just he two, has money at his disposal. Two quick things. One, um, the threat. So I, my, I, my philosophy is he will not take the qualifying offer because I think I, because of the, because of the threat of the qualifying offer, I don't think he'll need to. So I think part of everything you just said will be if he decides to go this route, and who knows, maybe the, the, the Pelicans hire, uh, I don't know who's the best coach on the market. I don't think I have no idea. Jason Kidd, clearly a wonderful coach. <laughs> the Excellent. best coach on the market. The best Paul. coach in any market. Behind ever. David Fisdale and Lloyd Pierce, might I ask. <laughs> Maybe they'll come on his staff. Yes. Um, whatever. They hire whoever, and the, and the Pelicans win 60 games next year, and they win a championship. I mean, there's a lot of different ways this could go. But let, for argument's sake, things continue to go sideways, and his team of people you know, walks into the office of, of David Griffin at some point and says, listen, um, here are all the reasons why we're not afraid to take the qualifying offer. And then, but the other part of it is, even if Griffin thinks that he could call his bluff, they can still, there's still the the part of it hanging over his head of like, well, maybe he just does what LeBron does back, uh, well, God, Jesus, 15 years ago now, I'm losing track, um, and sign a three-year deal, right? And Bosch and Wade did the same thing. Now, no right. one's, no one of note has done that since those three guys did it. And I think they did it in part because they knew the CBA was going to be changing and they didn't want to be locked into a longer deal. Well, guess what? CBA is up. Oh, you, I should know this. When is the CBA up? It's not that um, long. It's not. The last one was 2017. So it should be a couple of years, I think. So the, we're getting closer to the point where these caliber of players may want more flexibility, not less. So, you know, even if Griffin's like, well, shit, even if I, the most I could get him to sign for is let's say three years and the third year is a player option. Then all of a sudden you're, you're 30 games into that first season. And it's already that time when, as we have seen repeatedly players are already being like, okay, it's a two years out. Now I could demand my trade. Um, So because of the threat of all of this stuff, I think there is a real possibility that he could force them into a trade before he gets to this. But the point is, if he doesn't want to be there, he's not going to be there for very long, one way or another. Right. Can we yeah. agree on that? A hundred percent. Yeah. And uh, well, let's go through some scenarios, shall we? I would love scenarios. Well, scenarios actually, are great. I should, I think I've kind of gone through this, but what would accepting the, the qualifying offer mean for Zion? As I said, <clears throat> excuse me, he avoids restricted free agency, um, but he also gets a, a no trade clause which is huge because he can reject every single trade that he wants to. Like if he had his mind set on one team in particular, John, he could then say, Oh, you want to send me to not that team? I'm not doing that. I would rather just, can I, can I stop you there for one sec? Sure. If, if Griffin believed that he was going to sign it, he would have to trade him. Potentially. I mean, again, if, well, also, just go through that, the mental exercise. Right, like, but if, if you're it's Griffin, also at that point where Zion signs it, is Griffin even still 
around. Well, who the f- whatever GM. Right. Sure. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. You'd have to think that there's, you know, okay, this is not going to be fixed. And also if a new person comes in and, and trades Zion, it's like, well, look at the hand I was dealt, right? I had Zion Williamson. He didn't want to be here. I did the best I could in terms of recouping assets. That's what I want. That's what I got. Well, that's what Griffin did with, uh, with he Andy came Davis. into the job and then traded Davis you yeah. know, right away. So yeah. exactly. So, um, and the other thing is if Zion did accept the qualifying offer, he'd likely be ineligible for any supermax with the next team. I got to be honest, this has never happened before. So the details are a little fuzzy, but my uh-huh. understanding is that in order to get the supermax, you have to be on your rookie contract and the qualifying offer is not your does not contract. count towards your rookie contract, which means that if you were traded on that, it yeah. wouldn't be like James Harden when he went to the Rockets. It would be like any other young player who's traded in their fifth season and beyond. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, what's your over-under on how, how much longer he's in? Um, oh, my God. For anybody who's not watching on YouTube, the title of the next slide is Scenario 1, Zion Forces Trade to Knicks in 2022. This is fantastic. I love where this is going. Thanks. Um and, and sure enough, Lonzo Ball is an afterthought in this conversation, much like he's an afterthought in New Orleans. Um, what's your over-under on how many more years um, Zion is, is in New Orleans? It's June. Right now is June 2021. So here's the other thing to consider. Another reason, I didn't add this, but it's relevant. Well, I sort of did with the Zion injury concern. If Zion feels like, you know, life is short and my career could be shorter, I want to maximize the time I have where I'm truly my dominant self. And if that's the case, I mean, look, who, who doesn't want to get out of a bad situation, right? Everyone yeah. wants to right away. But for him, it could be, you know, like I don't have the patience to wait because who knows what could happen. And I want to be elsewhere. I don't want to be here. So I'm going to say, well, you know, I'm not going to say it right now because then that would kind of give away. Where, where everything's headed. Okay. So I'll, I'll I'll keep that in mind. I'll back pocket it. And, uh, back pocket it. Whatever. I'm going to give my answer right now. All right. I don't think he starts the 2022-23 season in New Orleans. Wow. Damn. Because I think they're uh, going to be bad next year. And I don't, yeah, well, I, I don't think there's a coach that they could hire. Yeah, I don't think there's a coach that they could hire that's going to fix what ails them. And I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't even think they're going to make – they might not make the play in. So in that case, if he's not playing for the uh, Pelicans in the 2022-2023 season, this is perfect for this scenario. So it would basically be the Knicks versus everyone in terms of a trade, right? I mean, who wouldn't want to get in on a Zion Williamson trade? If you're the Thunder, you would love to throw picks at at the Pelicans for Zion Williamson. You have so many at your your disposal. Um, But then, you know, basically the idea would be everyone except for, and everything except for RJ would be up for grabs. I mean, and that's not me saying RJ Barrett's untouchable. It's just the pure fact of Zion would want to come to play with RJ. And if you did trade everything and everyone and whatever, Zion and RJ together would make a combined $24.4 million, which means you could then use free agency. You'd have to, that's really your only avenue to build around two and what I think are of the top 25 players under the age of 25 in the NBA. Certainly. So that would be the first one if you went the trade route. Um, That's not a bad route. No, not at all. I mean, I'd pay whatever it took to get him. But, and uh, and by, the, by the way, um, just for, for anybody listening who's like, they're not going to trade Julius Randle. 
Um, Leon Rose and World Wide West and the Knicks family, because we're a family now, right, Jeremy? It's a family. Um, of course, Dad. <laughs> they want Julius Randle to be taken care of and to be happy. Um, they, I don't think they would ever send him someplace like he has no desire to go. But like the notion that Julius Randle is going to be a Nick for life because of this, um, and that goes for RJ, that goes for for any any player that's currently here. Um, that's that's just not the case. They're they're they are Leon Rose was is being paid a goodly sum of money to bring a championship to the Knicks yeah. in whatever way he feels is the best way to do that. So, but um, yeah, and, so just I wanted to, to throw that out there and not to make Julius Randle feel good. He's there to win. It's a bit. I mean, I, I'm not disagree with you. They Ju- will. Julius Randle feeling good behooves the Knicks now because right. it helps them get to where they want to go right now. Exactly. They're, yeah. And and listen. And there is always a calculation of well, how do we look around the league if we do this and yada yada. yada. And and Leon Rose, I trust to make those decisions um, more than more than pretty much any uh, president of basketball operations in the league, and certainly more than folks like Danny Age and David Griffin, um, who apparently have absolutely no tact whatsoever when it comes to uh, that aspect of, of the job. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So the second scenario is that Zion decides, I'll be the first to sign the qualifying offer, um, and then does that in 2023 and forces a trade to the Knicks, as you're saying, where if he signed it, he'd have to go, because why wouldn't he? Um, the Knicks would acquire... Zion's bird rights, which is huge. They could give him five years. Yep. Uh, they could even then give him eight um, percent raises instead of five percent, which is yep. pretty big too. Uh, the cap space created from his money, the outgoing money, and Zion's lower salary is where you'd also add free agent talent around. So it'd be similar to the one scenario beforehand. Um, the most that Zion could sign for is four years, if it's you know like. Signed. If he doesn't get to free agency, it'd be a four-year extension. If he got to free agency after he signed the qualifying offer, it'd be five years. Something to keep note of. Um, and then, of course, there's the concern of giving up too much in a trade. You know, like if you're giving up too much for something, and like Anthony Davis, but that also seemed to work out well for a season for the Lakers. So um, you just kind of live with that. That's that's a worthwhile trade. A trade you do eleven times out of ten. And then finally, scenario three: Zion signs a qualifying offer doesn't get traded and then signs with the Knicks in 2024. You are thorough, my friend. Can I just say that? I'm sorry. You are thorough. Thank you. I appreciate that. Very impressive. That's because I care. Um, The Knicks have no money on the books for the 2024 season. They've got an RJ extension looming. Same with Randall Uh, and Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly cap holds are going to be there and we'll have the first round picks. They'll also be on all of this, but it'll be minimal. All of this stuff again goes in giant air quotes because like, Think about how many times we saw on this podcast. Be like, well, we have to consider Kevin Knox's cap hold. <laughs> that big <laughs> can't oh, man. on that. Uh, anyway, sorry. I just no, you're, it's there. true. Um, but what's also interesting is that Zion's cap hold would probably exceed the amount of money that, I shouldn't say probably, but it, it could easily do that, exceed how much he could even earn in 2024. RJ is in a similar situation, actually, for 2023. Um, so you don't necessarily need to have his bird rights if you have the cap space available. So that's another thing to note. You don't necessarily have to trade for Zion for it to work. You could figure um, out a way to make it work, period, and then go from there. And and just just to be absolutely transparent, what I'm about to say in no way suggests that the Knicks would ever, ever engage in any kind of backroom illicit, um, dare I even say the T word, um, tampering, 
uh, dealing. But for, for those who, who may not know, uh, Zion Williamson is signed with a small agency. Uh, I believe it's still located in boutique. California. It's a boutique. boutique. It, is, it is a boutique agency. They have the cookies when you when you walk in. The, the, mm-hmm. the, the receptionist knows your name. She knows your kids' names, their birthdays, the whole thing. Um, it's uh, CAA. Um, and specifically, I believe it's Austin Brown associated with him. Who's is he, I don't know if he's the top guy there now or whatever. Um, he's the same primary agent assigned to Obi Toppin along with obviously much of the rest of the league. Um, but uh, yeah, so I guess the, the moral of that story is the Knicks as is, as is the case um, with all professional sport teams, probably, but in particular in this scenario um, are operating with more knowledge than any of us um, right now. This very second, because if, if anybody out there thinks that, you know, people don't talk, they do, they, they chat. Uh, so, yeah, just throwing that out there. Yeah. So that concludes Zion, <laughs> if you will, is uh, almost uh, as good as the, the big ass, but it's not okay. quite. Uh, well, that was improv. This this isn't um, my improv materials. Usually it's your improv is, is special. Yeah, it's good. Um, so I'll believe that a star signs the qualifying offer when I see it. It just hasn't happened yet. And uh, I refuse to be convinced otherwise until it does happen. <clears throat> if you're the Knicks, you don't build with Zion in mind. You just put it, you, you, you have it in, as a forethought, but you just keep doing what you're doing. Don't prioritize with him. Um, and we can forget that this conversation ever even happened until Zion is inevitably a Nick. But in terms of what you asked me, I mean, I think that, I think that Zion could, easily do what Porzingis did to the Knicks, which is, you know, he gave it three and a half years and there was a breaking point for whatever reason okay. or reasons. And then said, I'm going to sign the qualifying offer this off season, unless you trade me. And then there's this huge frenzy. And then, you know, at the deadline, I guess this would be the 2023 deadline. That's then when you figure something out. So that's, you know, I think, Again, I'd like the idea of him signing the qualifying offer. I think he's in the rare company of people who could get away with it and be totally fine. I just, that's a lot. That's a big commitment to pass up. I don't, I don't think he's going to do it. Um, I think he will use the threat of it, as I said before. And what I, what I do, what I will say about uh, before we move on and, and this impacts the Lonzo conversation because it, it's, and it, it certainly impacts the conversation about <clears throat> who they draft and uh, well, more particularly the results of who they draft. Um, this is why it is absolutely imperative to get your team building um T's crossed and I's dotted between now and then, because let me tell you what's not going to happen. What's not going to happen is Zion is not going to walk it. Well, he may do this and walk into whoever the GM's office is and say, I want to be a Nick. And the, that person in charge of that uh, position at that point is just going to be like, okay, I guess I'll go and get whatever the best offer the Knicks is. No, because that person has a reputation, whether it's David Griffin or whoever, that they're going to want to uphold and they would sooner um, lose their job than make a bad deal. That, that person's going to make the best deal for them. Now, might Zion leaking that he wants to be in a particular place, much like Anthony Davis did, impact what other teams are willing to um, are willing to offer certainly, 
Absolutely. But if anybody's sitting out there thinks like the Knicks are just, it doesn't matter what the Knicks do between now and then they're just going to trade a bunch of future firsts. And, and like New Orleans is going to be okay with that along with whatever the best young player is on the roster at that time. It's not named RJ Barrett. Like, no, the Knicks need to nail this draft. They need to uh, potentially sign someone that could, who knows? Like we're talking, we're sitting here talking about Alonzo ball, maybe not the best example. Um, because Zion may want to come play with Lonzo, but like the player they signed this summer, again, it's never about like, what is the impact on the team and how are they going to look on the team for the next three, four years? It's like how marketable, marketable of an asset are they? Like this Mm -hmm. stuff all ties together. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a worthy conversation to have, even though you just said we should forget it ever happened. But Hey, we, we had to talk about it, right? We we explored it. We explored the angles. It's a podcast. You talk. You yeah, talk. We don't podcast. You talk. Yeah, exactly. It's safer here than it's <laughs> getting <laughs> aggregated on Twitter. If, you know, like if you write an article or a newsletter, it's like here's why this everything I laid out is happening. It's like you know clown. It's all these different things that happen. But as a podcast, it's more free flowing. So that's great. My God, do you know who I just saw? I have up the the real GM list of uh, people represented by Austin Brown, Andy Routens. <laughs> Andy he's still repped by him. <laughs> we hardly knew you. Uh, God, Andy Routens is 34 years old, wherever he may be right now. Did he? I want to look up his stats. Did he? Ever, do you have a single Andy Routens memory from a from a Nick basketball game? No, I don't. I don't. I couldn't. I blocked t- that. Out. I'm sure he checked into a game, right? Probably. Um, but, yeah, yeah, that's good for him. Shall okay, we, uh, move on to the main course here today. The, the main the main course, so Lonzo Ball. So we've discussed Lonzo Ball, the player. Um, he's an interesting player. Um, you want to call him a point guard. You don't want to call him a point guard. He's As long as you understand, the, the main thing I want everybody to take away from, from it is we're not trying to bash Lonzo Ball. It's just in the NBA today, I feel like I say that once a week, um, in the NBA today, um, when you talk about a point guard and you just say point guard, the, the image is of like a guy who can spearhead an offense and make stuff happen from the point guard position, which is a fancy way of saying that they could create matchup advantages by some skill or ability that they have. Oftentimes, the ability to step back and hit a three or hit a three off movement or, um, you know, blow by someone or with their handle or what, you know, finishing, all that shit. Lonzo doesn't really have any of that. He can hit threes. He can do some stuff inside the arc. He's good. But like, that's not him. Um, So, but he's a nice player. So Jeremy Cohen, um, how do you want to do this? We just start by saying, what do we think Lonzo will cost? Well, I guess we should, let me lay out the scenario in which case we've, uh, we've done this. So yes, I said to John, we, with the three of us, including Andrew, we agreed. Let's talk about Lonzo this, uh, this time. And then I said to John, Give me a salary in terms of years and an amount um, for how you want to pay Lonzo. And then John gave that to me. And then I asked John for three other players that you'd want to sign or acquire this offseason around Lonzo. And then we can assess for what the outlook would be if you made those moves. Yeah. So, um, and did I give you, what did I tell you? Did I tell you? Let's, let's start just with Lonzo for now. Yes. But you said, uh, did I say four for 84? I yes. said four for eighty-four. So before which years, is, eighty-four million dollars, which is an overpay. I want to be very clear about this. This is an overpay. I think this is the highest that I would cons- that you. If you told me he signed for this amount, I'd be like, "Oof, it's a lot of money." But I think I'd I'd be able to swallow it. Yeah. 
So, yeah. I'm not going to say it. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, so I want to introduce us to our slide, which is... Uh, oh, wow. Oh, boy. There's it's chicken uh, cutlets. There's me. It's Johnzo now. It's your, it's your Johnzo. power couple. We are one. It's like uh, Benefer. Um, yes, exactly. Um, and it's a love story about his about a man and his second favorite ball. So keep that this, t- this just keeps this is like this is the best Father's Day present that I've received. All, you today. Thank you. Well, yeah, those uh, are good looking chicken cutlets, by the way. Right. Hey, I thought so, too. Delicious. Um, so the first scenario, John, would you like to uh, walk us through Norm- Norman Powell? Um, yeah, so I so the reason why I came up with Norman Powell as my first accompaniment to uh, Mr. Ball is I think Norman Powell does something that Lonzo Ball doesn't really do, which is he can um, he does have some gravity on offense. Um, he not a massive driver of the basketball, but he can put the ball on the floor um, just like Lonzo can. He can put the ball on the floor. The difference is Norman Powell actually gets all the way to the rim occasionally in the half court. Um he is, I think, a more advanced shooter at this point than Lonzo. Um, his numbers in Toronto were insane. They dropped off in, in Portland, although they were not terrible. Um, you know, and there's like a little bit of shot creation upside with Norm, um, whatever. I actually think a backcourt with the two of them alongside RJ, who will be better, and Julius and Mitch would, would have a nice look to it. Um, so the number that I gave for Norman Powell if I uh, recall correctly, is $18 million a year. And I, I, we were able to get him for three years? How'd that negotiation go? We, Was that a tough We said neg- four. We said four. Did we say four? Um, okay. So okay. a couple things with Norman Powell. Um, I, I think he's fine. And I, I know I said that about Alonzo. Again, with this, with this lineup, I'm a little concerned about the lack of creation and, and penetration that's able to create more offense. I think Powell doesn't finish very well, and that could be a slight problem. But he's definitely... A shooter, uh, he could fit that, you know, that Hardaway Junior type mold. Um, I yes. also think it could yeah. cost even more than that because Portland is so desperate to retain talent that I wonder if they would be bidding against themselves. But even if you know, even if they feel like eighteen is too much and they tap out, um, yeah, we said eighteen for eighteen a year at least for the first year, and I think that would come out to being uh, seventy-seven million if you include. 5% raises. I, so I think this is a fair, I don't, I think that, I think there's a chance that Norm Powell signs for four for 72. I think that's realistic. I don't yeah, think well, that's crazy. Joe Harris and Davis Berton signed for something around that. So it's, it's very possible. And those guys um, are looked at as, as more, um, their gravity behind the arc is, is better than Powell. But I, th- I think there's a the sense that Powell can maybe do some other stuff that they can't, but anyway, so right. keep going. So I know there, if you're watching this, there are a lot of numbers on the screen. I'll walk you through it. But uh, basically the gist of it is, you know, if the Knicks did this, that would essentially be their summer. Um, They'd be pretty much done. You know, they'd have $2.8 million left to spend. They go over the salary cap. Then they can sign the room extension for, you know, sign someone to that for about 5 million. That's it. Um, and, And, you know, you have all these contracts at your disposal that you can move around in deals, including the ones you signed as well. Um, but that's kind of where we're looking at it. If you want to get rid of Derek Rose and uh, then that How way you probably you? have, I know, right. I'm sorry, but him and Vildoza, if you needed to, you could create $16 million in cap space that way. So yeah. um, 
something to consider if you wanted to add another piece around that, but, but that's essentially the gist. If you look at it as a three-year deal, or at least in the, the scope of the next three years, and again, I know this might seem overwhelming if you're watching, but walking you through it, um, we just talked about the 2021-2022 season. For the 2022-23 season, uh, you're basically looking at a ma- I mean, you could, you could, if you wanted to have Julius Randle and re-sign him, um, not this offseason, but the next one. Which is, if, if Julius Randle wants to make a good deal of money, that's probably what's going to wind up happening. Right. So Randle's cap hold would be around 32. Uh, when you factor that in with Lonzo making more and with Norman Powell making more, you, the Knicks are probably entering free agency with $13.6 million. Um, that's not in, a lot. To in 2022. On. Correct. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's tough. That's a smaller amount that you have to be able. I mean, you can still, you know, make trades, but you basically, if you want to make a trade, you would need to pretty much trade Lonzo or Norman Powell, or you would have to say buy Julius and kick him to the curb, whichever one. So, so let's just say it, we keep talking about 2022 at some point we should, I mean, you, you question how, when, when is it too much to get, when is it too far ahead? But at some point we should probably talk about 2022 and the players that are actually going to be available and like, you know, who, but I guess, so if, before we get to that point, if there is a player that you want to bring in on a max slot, because this team that we've assembled right now is not going to win a championship. Um, I think the most likely thing is you would be packaging nor like, Norm or Lonzo or maybe, you know, I don't know, OB and one of the rookies or something like some combination of things in a sign and trade. I think that would probably be the most mm-hmm. likely scenario, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and then, but the, <laughs> the Zion part of it, <laughs> to go back to that for a second, he doesn't make that much money. <laughs> so no. yeah, this is this really, oh boy. Anyway, yeah. um, I like, this is a fun little team though, right? It's, it's competitive. Uh, it you know I mean if you're cool with like you know moving up but not making that move like it reminds me more of the Raptors uh, maybe more towards like the the, the pre Kawhi Raptors right yeah. like they're starting to to move up they still need that one more piece to really you know put them over the top but uh, you're you're improving for sure uh, and then if we wanted to look at 2023 24 um, entering you know that I mean. Basically, that's your team because then you have to start to pay RJ. So that's where it's a little tricky. And again, you don't, if you're fine with spending money this offseason and saying, like, I don't want to worry about future offseasons, I think there's merit to it. I actually, uh, to plug myself, honestly, I just wrote an article where if you wanted to kind of spend all of your cash this year and then figure out through trades or sign in trades the following season, yeah. you could do that. And this is actually the example that you've had here. And subsequently, your others too are they fit perfectly with that philosophy. So, I, and I don't think that's a wrong philosophy. I think that's well, it's totally it's fine. just a matter of it's don't, preference. Don't sign any contracts that you aren't pretty sure you're going to be able to flip and are going to have have value and have and be desired. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, again, nothing is guaranteed. Like I, I, I go back to just a very very quick aside. Like last off season two contracts that I think were maybe not universally praised, but I don't think anybody had a real uh, hot take that like they were bad contracts. I think pretty much everybody agreed that they were good was the um, Serge Ibaka deal and the um, Montrezl Herald deal. Right. 
And both of those guys, it was uh, both full, full mid level, I believe. Right. Um, and like now we're sitting around like, does anyone want to pay those guys $10 million next year? Yeah, maybe, you know, probably maybe, not. Maybe not. It's like things could change in a hurry. And we're talking about numbers that are, that are much higher than um, $10 million. We're talking about almost twice. Um, what is but this? The, the one thing about Lonzo as well is that you are betting on upside. Whereas for some other players, you're basically hoping that they're still in their prime. So, Lonzo, you're betting on upside. Powell, you're betting that what we saw um, the first half of this year in Toronto and to a certain extent uh, even last year in Toronto, because both of those years he was obscene in terms of uh, efficiency and everything. Um, look what I just got. I got. A, I think I just got another Father's Day present, some bourbon bacon jam. How about that? Um, I'm glad the mail delivered my package today. So. <laughs> Um, we're just gonna keep going with this. Um, it's, so for, please, for the next example, yes, uh, let's go. you asked me, can one of these free agents be a player that the Knicks employ? Mr. Rose, said, yes, yes, and it is Mr. Derrick Rose. Because I want, because here, here's my here's my thinking. Derrick Rose could play alongside Lonzo. Derrick Rose could play behind Lonzo. I like them as a pairing. I like them as a duo in any way, shape, or form. I think if you have as your as your um, stable of ball handlers, as it were. Um, Lonzo, Derek, Emmanuel quickly, and maybe Mr. Vildoza. That's a nice group of guys that you, you could, uh, that you have because they could all do some different stuff and like, no, none of them is perfect. Um, but if you give me those four guys and then again, you give me a guy like Powell, a guy like RJ, bring back one of Bullock um, or Burks, got your Randall, your OB, maybe mix some small ball in there again to, to full little team. Okay. So Derek Rose. Right. So um, you had originally said, I think, 10 or 11. And my thinking was, if you look at the sixth men who won this past year in Clarkson and Ingles, they're both making around 13. And so I think that that's, you know, like I, I figured if you could give him and, and for full disclosure, John gave me some leeway if I wanted to move up or down the number. So for, for Rose, I pumped him up to 13. But the interesting thing it is. Yeah. But but I did two years, 26 million no raises. Um, thought that would be a fun little quirk to have in there. But the okay. funny thing about Rose is that based on what we talked about last week, the Knicks don't have to sign him quite yet. They could make him be one of the finishing pieces. So yes. in that sense, they could basically say, okay, well, we're going to resign you, but you're making 13. Your cap hold is about 10. We could save that extra $3 million, apply it to someone else and then resign you. And then that's your summer. So, but the max that they could go isn't the, that you can only go up to 120% of the cap hold. Am I yeah, imagining so that? Rose can only make, I think, around 13.4 anyway, based on the fact that the Knicks have his early bird rights because he signed with the Pistons, was there for a year and a half, was there for half of the year with the Knicks. That's two. Okay. So that would be early bird. So it's not like, the, okay. I mean, the Knicks could, of course, renounce his signing or his cap hold, yes, his rights, and re sign him that way. But you know, around 13 would be close to the max that he could be offered with his rights being uh, kept. Okay. Um, so that takes care of uh, ball. That takes care of um, Norm Powell. That takes care of Derek Rose. I think Did I throw well, out one other guy. Well, Powell isn't here, but yes. Oh, Powell. So this is not with Powell. This is not. 
Oh. Yeah. Sorry, I did everything individually. I did one with Lonzo. Oh, I, one I thought Lonzo I was Rose. getting Rose and Powell here. Oh, this is uh, very well, disappointing. Well, here, wait, let's talk it through, right? So yes. if you were to do that, you'd basically have to, like you could have $24 million if you, what, renounce Alec Burks and Reggie Bullock and then non-guarantee Vildoza. So in that case, you could then add Norman Powell to the mix. Yeah, I, I kind of, I think... I think I like that idea, unless Rose takes a little bit of a discount. Potentially. But again, here's my concern, is that you're then starting a lineup. You're going to have Ball and Powell start next Ball, to Powell, R- Ball Powell, RJ, Julius, um, Mitch. That's right. your five. And you know you got Obi on the cheap, and you got Quickly on the cheap coming off the bench. Yeah. I'm just and- still worried about the creation abilities, because to me, it's like Julius still has these spot-up shooters at his, at his disposal, but he has no one who can really draw contact or suck in the defense. I kind of, in that, if those were my starting five and I have Obi and I have quickly and I have Taj on the minimum, I see, I, I'm small. If I just, if, if I have Rose and Vildoza and then, cause then I don't have a backup wing, right. um, which is a problem. So I need to bring back one of Reggie or Alec. Yeah. Or, or sign, you know, a, a wing on the minimum or something. So, yeah, that, um, hmm. Yeah, that's tricky. I, yeah, okay. I, I see. This is, see, this, the Knicks, yeah. the money dries up fast. It does. That's and, and if we're looking just in the future, we talked about 21, 22. Uh, for the following year, you know, it's, it's, you'd actually have more cap space than the previous situation because Rose would be making less than Norman Powell would. And you could create. $20.5 million. Realistically, you could probably do more than that if you got rid of Randall. So um, interesting things to see in terms of how you can make these moves. But uh, the one then thing that's tricky to me, well, not tricky, actually, I should say, which is different, is that compared to Norman Powell, who we're paying for four years, we're only paying Rose two, which means that you then get some savings in the following year for 2023. The problem is that that's when RJ then could get his extension. Yes. So the money that you thought you'd be gaining, you're actually losing quite a bit of. I just so. thought of it. Here's how you can make it work. If assuming Rose could take a little bit of a haircut, um, your backup wing is a rookie that you draft. I it's possible. There are some, there are some starting caliber wings in this mm-hmm. theoretically who could step in on day one. We saw it quickly and Obi step in play rotation minutes. Day one. It could happen. Yeah, that could work. Okay, so that's. I think that mm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna eventually rank my like possible for like what could happen this summer. I think that that's that might get close to the top. I kind of like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I st- like. I then think you could also draft a, a player like Sharif Cooper, that could a project. Okay. Well, not, not even necessarily a project, but someone who can be a, a driver of offense. Again, I, I just I still I look at all these other teams that are able to efficiently get to the rim and convert. And the Knicks are really not that team. And I'd love for them to be that team. Like as I was watching the Clippers taking on the jazz, it seems so many consecutive times, Paul George or Reggie Jackson would just drive to the rim, kick it out to the corner and they'd create better offense that way. And I feel like that can't happen based on the personnel that would be on this team, unless you're playing Reggie or Reggie. Uh, Derek Rose, heavy minutes. And I don't know how heavy you're playing him unless it's well playoff time. Cooper, Cooper, I mean, just very quick draft discussion of everybody that is potentially available around when the Knicks are going to pick. 
Cooper is your is the guy to me who who stands out as he could create matchup advantages on the perimeter um, in terms of just breaking guys down and, and kind of getting into the paint. The problem is his, his finishing wasn't all that great yeah. and he can't shoot for, for shit. Um, his, so the only thing is he two, also, it was a very small sample size is all size. The shot is not, uh, and this is, I'm, I have not watched a ton of tape on, on Cooper. I'm going off of what people smarter than me have, have uh, say um, he, the shot is not pretty. Um, it, it needs a reworking. Um, so, you know, again, how much, how much do you trust your development staff? Leon Rose? Well, I guess we'll find out in about, uh, shit. When's the draft? draft like, oh my God. The draft is like a month and a week. That's yeah. awesome. This Late is fun. Yeah. yeah, this is great. Okay. It's cool. be a short off season. Feels like, uh, yeah, um, yeah, really. Especially because the Knicks are doing well. So, or did do well. Um, and then finally, Wait, by the way, Joel, Joel and B just got fined. Oh, $35,000 $35, for his altercation with John Collins. That's yeah. I find that amusing. Sorry. Okay, let's continue. Uh, and then lastly, you had bringing back Doug McBuckets. Yay! So what a was per- your A personal favorite. I like Doug. I, I think Doug, um, aside from the fact that he could hit threes, um, he is an incredibly smart player in terms of it just seems like he makes – good decisions on offense. Um, he's obviously a fantastic cutter, as we remember from his time here, his mind meld with uh, Kyle O'Quinn. And I think if you added Lonzo and you added Doug, um, and, and Doug's also a, a pretty good passer too for his position. So the the nice, one of the uncovered gems, so to speak, with Lonzo is I think he could be a really good cutter, much like RJ, we've already seen be a good cutter. And if you, if you have all these guys on the offense at the same time who are good cutters um, and everybody can also pass, I don't know. I just think it gives you an interesting um, different wrinkle to your offense. Now that is not the offense we saw this team run this year in any way, shape or form. But again, how much do you believe that Tom Thibodeau is, is malleable um, as an offensive coach? And I think there's, you know, we'll see. Um, but I, I, I thought this would be a, a fun pairing. Sure. So it's similar to the other situations. Uh, you'd still have $10 million, about 11, if you uh, signed Doug. And then you could create closer to $24 million if you uh, decided to part ways with Derek Rose and Vildoza. So th- there's some interesting mechanisms that you could do to make this type of move happen. And, um, you know, I mean, similar situation. I think we wound up giving, yeah, Doug $10 million. So if he's making what looks out to be Three, God, I can't do math right now. Uh, three years, thirty one point five million dollars. Like not, that's not that's bad, a that's a contract payday. you can flip pretty easily and feel yeah. good about, or you can keep them. And um, you know, at worst, he's like a backup shooter. You know, he's he's a marksman, so that works. Um, that's that's the type of philosophy that you would have in that sense. The only thing I'm a <laughs> I'm a little worried about Doug because like he was good this year. Um, he averaged almost 14 points. He, he played, you know, 25 minutes a, a game. He started about a, a little less than half the season. But, like, everybody loved this signing for the Pacers three years ago, and then he didn't really play a whole lot. He was a, he was a reserve who played 18 minutes a game. He only he averaged seven points. Um, you know, he shot it well. But, like, you know, with all of these sorts of players, once you get further and further down the down – the, um, totem pole of available guys it's like there's a risk 
And there's specifically there's risk when you sign guys to to multiple years, which is why I think it was so smart for what they did this past offseason to sign guys like Reggie Bullock and Alec Burks, who are like not appreciably different players than Doug McDermott, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Um, they only got him for one year. Um, and I, I really do think the, the biggest question they're going to have to navigate this summer is, is um, who do they give years to, if anyone? Can I ask you one more gun to your head question? Sure. How many guys this summer do you think that they will give multiple years to? Let's leave leave Randall out of it. We'll, that's right. a different conversation. But aside from Randall, how many guys do you think they'll give multiple years to? Guaranteed years, fully guaranteed years. I think it'll be two. You think, I think? Wow. Okay. Yeah, I think it'll be Derrick Rose and another free agent signing of their choosing. But um, okay. And I also think I maybe should have reflected this, but I feel like Doug could. He's not. I don't think he's going to earn at least ten. I think based on the teams that are out there and the need, I feel like he could maybe get, you know, like a little less than the mid-level. Like maybe it's eight, maybe it's seven, maybe it's nine, something in that ballpark. Um, Maybe seven might be a little too low, but I feel like he's going to be signed to be a backup wing for most teams. So I don't know if if there's a huge overpay when, you know, like you could sign someone like Bryn Forbes instead and maybe get better value in that way. Or, um, I think Doug gives you. I don't think you could hunt Doug on defense. He's a decent size. Yeah. Six, six, seven. Um, he's a, I mean, he's 40, he's a true, he's a true three point. He's a marksman. He's 40% any way you cut it. Um, mm, you might be right. We'll see. Yeah. I don't think they're going to bring back Doug McDonough. I just, I like Doug I don't, yeah. I think the ship is sailed, but that's okay. It, it's yeah. still, you can if you br- you know, put placeholders in for these names and see how it works out. If you bring back Doug McDermott, you better bring back the, but the bat mitzvah King. You um, have to Kyle O'Quinn. That's a necessity. Um, okay. This was fun. I like doing this. Um, or I lied. One, one more gun to your head question. Do you think they end up with Lonzo ball? No, I don't. Wow. That was quick. You really don't think they're going to get, okay. I really don't. I, um, here, my prediction and, Obviously, this is subject to change. I think that the then Knicks it's not are, a prediction. Well, okay, fine. I'll, I'll I'll say this is my prediction based on what we know right now. Okay, um, that's fair. Based on what we know right now, is better than subject to change. Sure. I think I don't think the Knicks are going to get Lonzo, but I do think that the Knicks will get one of Josh Hart or uh, Bledsoe in a salary dump. That's my thoughts. Because I think they're going to have too much money. And I'll add to that, and I'll say because the Bulls are also interested in Lonzo, yeah. if they don't get him, that the Thunder are going to flip Kemba Walker to the Bulls because they're the only team that is so, trying to win and needs a point guard. And is, I could wait, see being like, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Sure, let's build around this window and show Zach Levine we're serious. I was messaging with someone yesterday about Kem- – we, we should at least mention him. Um, I think <laughs> – me subconsciously, you maybe consciously didn't want to bring him up because you didn't want, is is the, can I, is it fair to say the Kemba Bridge is not one that you'd like to cross, Mr. Cohen? It is not, and I'm a UConn <laughs> fan, and I have zero desire to see Kemba in the Garden on that contract. Here, here's uh, I'm going to be very transparent. I what's the wallowiest I've ever been on anything? This is perhaps going to be more wallowier, wallower, wallowier than that. There's a side of me that has so much respect for what Kemba has been able to do in the pros and like big shots. And like, you want to talk about a guy that does or has done um, all the stuff that we've talked about 
um, on this show in terms of creating matchup advantages and like being a dynamic pick and roll player, getting to the rim and like hitting, you know, the three, although his percentage is really outside of a couple of years in his career are not great. Um, all of that stuff. I have so much respect for all of that. And I think there is a world where he could really help the Knicks and they could, and if they acquired him, we'd be sitting and be like, wow, we were able to get this guy for like, you know, a future protected second round pick. And then I think there's another world where we're looking at Kemba Walker next season at around the 30 game mark and be like, my goodness, he's done as an NBA player, huh? Um, is this Isaiah Thomas? I mean, I know Isaiah Thomas's injury was very specific and very, very bad, but um, who's like small point guard needs over 30, like where are you going? So I, if you, uh, you know, if you're listening to either of those takes and be like, you're an idiot for having this take. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you you're wrong. I don't know what I think. So, but I just wanted to say that for, for the record. Yeah. And I don't really want to deal with his trade kicker either. Oh, there's that's, that too. It's because he, that's why they got the trade done now. So they, right. Yeah. Was so, it 3 million? Something like that? Something along those lines. But again, it's, it's, still, it's money. It's like, it's, you don't, you don't want to pay it. Yeah. It's a shorter point guard with injury concerns who, is on the wrong side of 30. And, I, and the funny thing is I said that on Twitter and people were saying like, what do you mean by on the wrong side of 30? It's like, well, he's not on the right side of 30. Did people from like an that? athlete's perspective. If, listen, if you're on the wrong side of 30 and you're older than 30 in real life, you're golden. You're, you're not even on the wrong side of anything. You, that's totally fine. But from a player standpoint, when your career is like professionally 19 to say 40, then you're probably, and that's even being generous. It's probably close to, you know, 36 or so you're, you're getting towards the tail end and you don't really want to pay for a decline because that's what the concern is. And I would rather yeah. invest in other ways. And you're not going to go to the thunder and say, Hey, we'll take Kemba off your hands and you're going to give us an asset mm-hmm. because that's just, you know, this whole mindset of well, Al Horford wants out. So what if the thunder buy him out or what if the thunder have to pay an asset to get him? No, they, they didn't wind up doing that. They didn't have to do that. They got no. quality back for them, and they're going to try to get quality back for Kemba, especially if the Bulls deal, if they do that, they could get a traded player exception and then try to stay above the cap just like they did last season and then get away with not having to pay money you know, until the very end when they have to just get to the salary uh, floor. So I think it makes more sense for them to do that. I just don't really want Kemba. Yeah, no, you don't need you- you just triggered my mind because as I was talking to somebody about this, the Bulls were the only other logical team that yeah. fit, um, you know, that obvious fit. I mean, you know, who knows what's happening. Okay. We have talked for a while. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Um, I, I, I want to go visit Mount Zion now. It looked like a lovely place. Um, <laughs> um, all right. Anything else from you? Uh, you mentioned it, but before I turn it over to you, uh, if anybody has not checked out the article that you wrote last week, it was phenomenal um check out all of jeremy's stuff on the strickland um his writing dare i say his writing may be better than his podcasting i don't know if i should say that though that's high praise but thank you i appreciate that i mean you you have me giggling throughout this episode it it really is uh anything else from you mr cohen uh you said it perfectly on twitter and i agree with you i thought the fact that emmanuel quickly did not get into the oh team rookie team is just absurd um, I'm not, I'm not going to do a rant. Just you, don't have, go, you, you, you phrased it all eloquently, especially in your newsletter. One thing I wanted to add uh, as well is that quickly, most of his shots came on things that he created and generated for himself. The fact that Sadiq Bay was uh, a, like his frequency for catch and shoot, I think was 40% 
And for Tate, it was 30%. And for Quickly, it was something like 24%. Just goes to show that, you know, if apparently you can be penalized for being a focal point of the offense uh, because your numbers aren't as good as people who just kind of sit there and don't have to create. And, and by the way, by the way, uh, and I did mention this in the newsletter, his points per shot attempt accounting for position are really not appreciably different than Bay right. or, or, um, or Jay Sean Tate um, who are, that's not even as I'm, God, I'm not going to get into this because I'm, I'm going to be inadvertently <laughs> criticizing someone. Okay. Um, we're just going to finish up. Um, Jeremy Cohen, uh, thank you for your hard, hard, hard work. Anybody listening to the podcast, I'll say this again, check out the YouTube just for a minute um, because you'll, you'll, Jeremy does a good job with these PowerPoint presentations. They're a lot of fun and they're, they're very informative too. Um, oh, I and, should add one more thing, by the way. Oh yeah, please. We are going to have new merch. Oh yes. Very uh, soon. I'm really, tell- I'm really excited for it. It actually, uh, it fits perfectly with what we're doing now. Uh, if you are a fan of this podcast, you will understand the reference that goes on behind it. So I'm really excited for it and uh, it looks great. Hopefully you guys do too. I'm excited because I haven't seen it yet. So <laughs> that's why you're the head of merch because I don't have the time to deal with it. Uh, <laughs> makes me very happy. I am going to go put some bourbon bacon jam on um, something and uh, eat it um, before I have to go to a uh, barbecue. Um, but this was a lot of fun. Uh, as always, everybody, thank you for, um, checking out an episode of the pod. Um, thank you to, uh, Andrew for producing this, even though he's not here right now, he's going to produce it after the fact, but he is wonderful. Um, feel free as always, uh, subscribe. If you're not subscribed, rate us, if you'd like to review us, if you have kind words to say, um, go subscribe to the YouTube channel, give us a like there, all the things, it all helps. It supports what we do. And, um, you know, some of us work very hard. Um, some of us being Jeremy Cohen. So uh, thank you for him. You, you work uh, hard too, John. Eh, yeah. listen, you do. I, you, you put enough time into your newsletters that I can carry <laughs> us for our podcast once a week. The hardest thing I did today was getting this fat head on the wall and making it uh, look, you know, good without any wrinkles or anything. It's the hardest thing you should do. It's your day. My day. It's, and, and last but not least, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Mm-hmm. We will be back with another episode before you know it.